Welcome to Coach Bennett's podcast, where every run has a purpose, where kindness is hardcore, where this is about running, and this is not about running, where every starting line is a finish line in disguise, where rambling still gets you where you need to be, where pineapple will never ruin your pizza, and the sodas, adult and not adult kind, are always cold, and where there is room on the starting line for everybody. I'm Coach Bennett. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. Let's get started. You ready for episode 34 of Coach Bennett's podcast, Become Your Own Best Coach? I hope so. This one is a great one. And I'll tell you what, this one's about running. This one is also not about running. So get ready for an awesome episode. And I'll be recording this from Santa Monica, California. Why? Well, you got to listen to find out. So get ready for episode 34 and make sure you listen all the way to the end because I get to talk a little bit about best runner ever winter edition the four-week coaching program that starts February 1st so listen all the way to the end because this one is a great one all the way up to and through the finish line all right episode 34 has begun here we go how to become your own best coach I'm just going to let you know, I am really excited about this episode, and I get asked quite a bit why I like talking so much about people becoming their own best coach, because aren't I basically running myself out of my job? No, I'm demoting myself if this works out, but that's not running myself out of a job. What I'm really doing is I'm just increasing the coaching staff. And like I said, I'm promoting people to be their own head coach. The way that this really should operate after a while is I should just be your assistant coach. You should be the head coach. I'm never going to know as much about you as you know about yourself. And every day, I may be learning more about you, but you're learning more about yourself, especially if you're a great head coach to yourself and a great teammate and a great friend and all that other stuff. But the point here for this episode is how to help you become your own best coach so you can help yourself become your own best runner. That's why I'm excited, because I'm talking about my job. And I love my job. I love coaching. I love teaching. I really do. So that's why I'm excited. That's why this podcast exists. That's why the newsletter exists. That's why I write posts on Instagram and I have... uh, TikToks and I have all this stuff because I I do. I love coaching. I love teaching. I love being a part of this community. And that's a whole lot of love, isn't it? Which, by the way, is a great Led Zeppelin song. If you're somebody who's heard of Led Zeppelin but never listened to Led Zeppelin, here is your opportunity, your motivation, your inspiration to go listen to some Led Zeppelin. You should listen to some Led Zeppelin. In fact, on the notes for this episode, I'm going to include one or two really great Led Zeppelin songs. That's what I'll do. There you go. Like I'm I'm creating the starting line for you to listen to one of the great bands of all time. And if you're someone who has listened to Led Zeppelin, well now here's an excuse to listen to some more Led Zeppelin. I was not planning on talking about Led Zeppelin. It just happened. We're moving on, but we're not going to move on to the topic just yet cuz I want to tell you I'm I'm actually in Santa Monica, California right now. I'm in a hotel room. I I should actually keep a tally of how many of these episodes I've recorded in a hotel room and which ones I've recorded in a hotel room. And then what we could do is a little due diligence and try to figure out, am I better 
when I'm in a hotel room or am I better when I'm at home? I think I'm better at home, but I think I still do a good job in the hotel room. And the reason why I'm saying that is because you're literally listening to one that's being recorded in a hotel room. And it seems like a little bit of self-sabotage for me to say, I bet the hotel room ones aren't that good at the start of an episode that's being recorded in a hotel room. I digress. I'm in Santa Monica for the Blue Ribbon Sports anniversary. Blue Ribbon Sports is actually what Nike was known as 40 plus years ago. So it started out basically as Blue Ribbon Sports. Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman, the athlete and the coach, they shook hands and they started this partnership, which eventually turned into Blue Ribbon Sports, which then eventually turned into Nike. And Blue Ribbon Sports also happened to have its first storefront in Santa Monica on Pico. And that's where we're going to have a really cool anniversary celebration. I believe it's tomorrow night, so that'll be Thursday, Thursday, January 25th, in honor of the 40th anniversary of Blue Ribbon Sports. And it's, I'm really excited about it. Nelson Farris, who is, is basically the, the great grand storyteller of Nike, um, an early employee at Nike, and Joan Benoit Samuelson is going to be there, which is awesome. So I'm pretty fired up, and we're going to have some people from the community in Santa Monica celebrating at the storefront, which Nike took over five years ago. So the original storefront, which was opened 40 years ago, I believe it was 40 years ago, ceased to be a Blue Ribbon Sports or Nike store uh, a few decades ago. And five years ago, Nike got the keys to the original place and basically opened up a community space at the same location that the first Blue Ribbon Sports was at here in Santa Monica, which was run by Jeff Johnson, who's the gentleman that is known as employee number one at Nike. He came up with the name Nike for Nike. It was this close, and I'm, and I'm putting my thumb and my forefinger very, very close together. It was this close to being called Dimension 6 with two X's. What a horrendous name for a company doing anything other than maybe a company that creates rips in the universe. I'm not sure, but Dimension 6 is just a terrible name, but that's what Phil Knight wanted to call it. And Jeff Johnson came up with the name Nike. It just fit that it was the, you know, obviously Nike's the goddess of victory. So it all just made sense. Anyway, so that's why I'm in Santa Monica, but I was just in Arizona at a Nike Wellness Collective event. I've never run in Arizona. I've been in the Phoenix airport, but this was the first time I was outside of the airport, which was really cool. And I got to do two runs. I was only in Arizona for, I think, 22 hours, but I got to do two runs. One was around some um, neighborhoods in a rural area, which was beautiful. By the way, I had no idea how big cactus were or cacti. I had no clue. I thought they were all like five, six feet tall, these were like 15, 20 feet tall. It was amazing. It's That's one of the things that if you have the luxury, if you have the opportunity to travel, running is one of the best ways to explore a new place. Because on the way to where I was going, yes, yeah, seeing the cactus on the sides of the road, amazing. But be able to run by them, get up close to them, not touch them, get up close to them, it was incredible. It really was an amazing experience, and I got to do a trail run, um, beautiful country in Arizona, and now I'm here in Santa Monica for a couple days, and then I'm flying to Miami for the Miami Marathon and a whole bunch of events for the weekend and the Miami community, 
and I get to see the mayor of Miami running, Frankie Ruiz. I'm excited about that and uh, really, really pumped to get back to Miami. I was there in June, and just as a little tip of the cap here, that's where I recorded the first three episodes of Coach Bennett's podcast. So I'm really excited to be there this weekend, and it's going to be sunny. It's going to be sunny, and it's going to be warm, which is not great for the runners. But if they prepare themselves, if they make the necessary adjustments, they can still have great races. They can still have great experiences, but it's going to demand some some adjustments, which I'm sure they're all prepared for, and the race is very, very early. Um, but it's, it's something where maybe selfishly I'm looking forward to a little bit of sunshine because I'm not sure if you're aware of the fact that more or less for the previous week in Portland, we just had ice. It started out as a snow, not, I'm not even going to say storm. It was very windy, very cold. It was snowing. It was pretty beautiful. And then trees started to fall down and then the ice started to cover the roads and it got very dangerous very quickly. And there are no plows in Portland. So the result was what you would expect, which was chaos. And basically Portland slowed to a crawl and then to just basically no movement for a couple of days. It was just too dangerous. And look, I'm from the Northeast. I I know what it is to get 30 inches of snow. This was like an inch and a half. But when you don't have plows and you get a sheet of ice on sidewalks and on roads, it is incredibly dangerous. So I did a couple of laps around my house so I could get in some runs. And I, I, being literal here, I would run around the inside of the house. I don't have a treadmill. So we're talking about running around the kitchen, running around the den, going up some stairs and down some stairs. And I'll just tell you this, if you're going to get some movement in your house and you don't have a treadmill, the mistake a lot of people make is they say, I'm going to run for a certain distance around my house. So unless you have like a mansion or something, like you always want to be running for duration around your house because the GPS just can't handle the small quarters that you're in. So you may be running for over an hour to try to get a mile and a half. It's just going to be too hard. But if you want to go for a 15-minute run, well, then you can run for 15 minutes around your house. And guess what? 15 minutes is 15 minutes everywhere. So just run for duration if you're trapped in the house and you got to run around your house. Don't do distance. All right, that's just a little public service announcement. Before we get into the heart and soul of episode 34, which is how to become your own best coach. Now, I think that this episode is going to serve a couple of purposes. I, obviously, I think the overwhelming majority of you are listening to this because you want to become a better runner, right? That makes sense. I think the overwhelming majority of you that listen to this podcast, that's one of the most important reasons why you listen. You want to become a better runner. Well, I'll tell you this. If you can become a better coach, you will become a better runner. And there's a host of reasons for that. One of them is just... The reality that I know that you're going to spend way more time with teammates out on runs or with yourself out on runs than you're ever going to spend with me. I get to hang out with you before practice. I get to hang out with you after practice. And for those of you where, you know, I'm, I'm being literal and figurative at the same time. When you go for a run, you're running. I think if you listen to the podcast, if you're reading some of the things I'm writing, that's before and that's after practice, the run. 
if you do guided runs with me, I'm going to spend time on the run with you. But there's downtime. Some of you may think there's not enough downtime for my voice, but there is some downtime where I want you to be spending time with yourself, thinking, or just really mindfully or meditatively just enjoying the run. And sometimes it's good to just kind of be a little bit empty-headed on a run. You don't always have to have something flying through your mind at all times 24-7. So sometimes it's nice to go on a run and just say, what, what happened in the last 10 minutes? Nothing. You were just moving. You were just flying, landing, taking off, striding your way through this run. And because you didn't solve some great mystery or tackle some great problem or have a major epiphany, that's okay too. My point is, I know that you're spending more time with yourself on the run than I'm going to be spending time with you. I also know after the run, if we spend some time, you're going to be spending more time with yourself than you will have spent with me. You have the opportunity to be such a better coach to yourself than I ever could be. So part of the reason... I coach the way I coach is because I, I want you every time we get together to need me less. That's, that's the goal of a coach as far as I'm concerned. If we have a really great meeting, a great practice, a great run, if we spend great time together, it means you need me less and less and less because you're becoming a better coach yourself. That does not diminish my coaching at all. Not at all. It's the same thing as I got a candle, I got the candle lit, the flame is roaring, you've got a candle that's not lit. I can share my flame with yours. And guess what? Now we got two flames. My candle's not less lit. My fire is not less strong. My candle is not less bright. All it means is there's a little bit more heat and a little bit more light in this room now that we both have our candles lit. To me, that's what coaching is all about. Let's light up as many candles as we can. Because that also means when I'm not around, you still have that candle. You may be running with a teammate who hasn't had their candle lit yet. You have the power, the opportunity, and hopefully the purpose to light their candle as well. Hey, more light in this world as far as I'm concerned, the better. So share your fire. That's the way I coach. And I'm hoping... You're picking up on that, and that's the way you're coaching. Because as far as I'm concerned, everyone has the opportunity, has a purpose to be a coach. You've heard the great, you know, famous, legendary line, if you have a body, you're an athlete, that's Bill Bowerman, the old Oregon coach, who I mentioned earlier in this podcast as being one of the founders of Nike. If you have a body, you're an athlete. Well, I've got one too. If you have a heart, you can be a coach. So the goal of this episode is for you to understand why it's important for you to work at becoming your own best coach and how becoming your own best coach can lead to you being a better runner and being a better teammate to others. I mean, that's a pretty cool trifecta. You know what I mean? You get to become a better athlete, a better coach, and a better teammate? Let's go. Okay, so let's start at the, the beginning, all right? It's not about workouts. It's not about the mileage or the volume you're running. It's not about the percentage of, you know, 
easy running to hard running, speed workouts to recovery runs. It's not about hills and trails and roads and time on the track. It's not about any of that. It's just about getting to know the athlete. That's, that's the first part. You can be the smartest coach in the world. If you don't know who your athlete is, you can't take advantage of what you know because you're always taking what you know and shaping it, personalizing it for the athlete. I mean, the, the key is how can you get the athlete to understand why they're doing what they're doing so they have the confidence, not just to understand why they're doing what they're doing, but the confidence and understanding so they can tell you a little bit about themselves so you can make any needed adjustments. And that starts with you getting to know the athlete. And there's a lot of different ways to get to know the athlete. And it's not just about how much are you running and what are your PBs. That's, that doesn't really tell you much. You really need to get to know the athlete. Why are they running? What's their purpose? What do they get out of running? What, what do they fear the most about running? What gets the most excited about running? What are some of their perceived strengths? What are some of their perceived weaknesses? All of this is going to factor into how you coach them. It has to. You have to take these things into account. Because if not, you're also not going to understand why you're getting certain results or not getting certain results. I'll tell you what. If I don't understand that someone is coming to practice after work where they're on their feet most of the time in a very stressful environment, if I don't understand that, how can I possibly put together a training plan for them? How can I possibly structure a week of running where I don't know if today is their day off or today is going to be a long day on their feet? How, I, I can't. So it's really important to get to know the athlete. What are their expectations for their time with you? What are their goals? Are there certain races that they're striving for? Does it have nothing to do with racing? Is it about getting fitter mindfully? Not even so much physically. Or is it something physical? Do they want to get healthier? Why are they running? What are their goals? What is their background with the sport? Is it something that they've done their entire life and they've always loved? Is it something they did when they were younger and then they fell out of love with it? Why did they fall out of love with it? Is it because they had a bad relationship with the sport? Was that bad relationship caused by a coach? That's some pretty important information. Maybe it was because they were on a team that was very toxic. Or maybe it was simply because they had great coaches in terms of good people, but they didn't understand the sport and they didn't know how to best coach someone. So maybe there was a potential there that was never met, that was never realized. So there was, this, there was a general feeling of frustration of why aren't things happening? And maybe as a result, they thought it was their fault instead of the fact that, you know, you were never set up to succeed. But you're here now. All of this stuff is important as a coach to find out so you can understand more about your athletes. So the first thing you need to do is get to know the athlete. Now, Remember, I'm talking about you getting to know yourself. And here's the thing. Yes, we know more about ourselves than anyone else does. But we don't know ourselves as well as we think. And that's because we don't set aside time to just talk, have conversations, ask hard questions, dig a little bit deeper, and listen. Listen to ourselves too. So what I'm really telling you to do here when I say get to know the athlete is get to know yourself. 
really ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why do I want to do this? What do I love about it? What do I not so much love about it? And why don't I love those things? Could it be that there's the potential to maybe kindle a little bit of love there? Maybe there are aspects of the sport that you think are a weakness, but it's only because you've been going about it the wrong way, or maybe you're not giving yourself the credit that you deserve to give. There are conversations you need to have with yourself every single day. The problem is, more often than not, we don't have those conversations. So get to know yourself. If you want to run better, get to know yourself better. And again, you can think this is hokey. I don't really care if you think it's hokey or not. It works. Okay, the other thing is really less about the athlete now, because that was really all about the athlete. Okay, part of coaching is understanding almost everything is about the athlete. It's not about you as a coach. You're behind the spotlight, buddy. You're not in the spotlight. And unless, unless it's a bad day. And then what you want to do is you want the spotlight on you. Because you want to be able to control the lighting and be able to say, okay, this is maybe why we had a bad day or this is what went wrong. But, but listen, this is not to put you under the light and make you feel exposed. What we want to do is expose weaknesses, expose mistakes, expose mess-ups, because that's how we get better. But it's a positive lighting. It's, hey, look at that. We accomplished all this and we didn't see that crack right there. That's okay. That's great. That's good to know. We can spackle that thing. We're going to be fine. Imagine that. All this stuff that you've accomplished and you didn't know your hip flexors are weak. All these things that we accomplished and we didn't know that you took two years off. All these things that you've accomplished and you've never done strength training. All these things you've accomplished and you had a bad relationship with the sport that we're still working on. Imagine what happens when we repair the damage from that relationship. Imagine how powerful you're going to be. So yeah, the, 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 the first part is okay, get to know the athlete. But here, what I'm talking about now is understanding what your job description is as a coach, which is super important because a lot of people don't know what it means to be a coach. And maybe we kind of go about things the wrong way because if you think about it, the measurement of success that a coach has is based on wins and losses, which I get to an extent, but I don't think that's a great measurement. It's a measurement. It's an okay measurement. But I think unless you've got equal talent, unless you've got equal discipline amongst the athletes on the team, unless you've got equal work ethic, unless you've got equal motivation, how are you comparing this coach to another coach just by wins and losses? So if you have a coach that has all new athletes, that has athletes that are new to the sport, competing against a coach that has athletes that have been a part of the sport for a while, that have been training for a long time, and that coach wins, well, uh, the coach is supposed to win. That coach is undefeated now. The other coach has never won a game. Does that mean the coach that is 0-1 and has a losing record is a worse coach than the coach that's undefeated? Uh, I don't think so. You have to dig a little bit deeper and see, okay, performances are relative to a number of different things. It's not just to the person you're competing with. It's also with the person you are. Are your athletes improving? I always make the case this way. If I see someone who has the potential, the talent, 
the capability of running 350 in the mile, which is world class, and they run 359. Okay, 359 is amazing. It's incredible. You're a sub four miler. That's wild. Okay, wild. But you have the capability to run 350. Now I see someone else. They have the potential, the talent, the capability to run 550 in the mile. And they run 551. I'm more impressed by the 551 miler than I am the 359 miler. They got closer to their potential. To me as a coach, that's more impressive. I'm not saying 359 is not impressive. It is impressive. But I know from a coaching perspective, it is more impressive to get that athlete that got right to their potential than it is to get someone to run fast but far away from their potential. And I think if you use that as the baseline, you suddenly understand what a lot of the purpose of a coach is. And it is to be in service of the athlete, to help the athlete, to support the athlete, to motivate, inspire, and guide the athlete so they can get as close to their potential as possible. And not just their potential as an athlete, because that is such a narrow view of what coaching is. You have the opportunity to get them closer to their potential at practice as an athlete, but also close to their potential as a human being after practice. That's part of the gig. That is part of the job description, whether it's written or not. You want them in the pursuit of excellence in this sport to also become an excellent human being. That's the lessons they should get. And if they're getting the wrong lessons in pursuit of excellence in the sport, it's going to translate to them using those lessons, those wrong lessons, after practice. Shortcuts, cheating, being a jerk, being toxic, all of these different things in pursuit of excellence on the track or on the trail or on the roads will translate to at school, at work, at home. So from a coaching perspective, you're trying to get people closer to their potential as a runner, but also as a human being. So when you're thinking of yourself becoming a better coach to yourself, you need to hold yourself to that standard too. When I'm coaching myself out there on the run, am I helping this person become a better person and not just a better runner? But I'll tell you this, if you're helping them become a better person, you are basically also helping them become a better runner. Shortcuts don't help you become a better runner. Cheating doesn't help you become a better runner. Being an asshole doesn't help you become a better runner. So hold yourself to that standard too. As you're getting to know the athlete, check. Also understand that this information you're getting about the athlete should be in service of your service to the athlete. This is the foundation, okay, of coaching. You know, I know, you've heard it, you've seen it, There are coaches out there that think it's all about them. And when it becomes about the coach, the coach then can make decisions that are beneficial to the coach that are not beneficial to the athlete. And that's where athletes get further and further away from their own potential. That's where the sport suddenly becomes less joyful, less positive, less welcoming. And yes, you may be getting people to run faster, but you're also running them out of the sport. And on top of that, I will have you know, those athletes, if you're coaching them that way, they may run faster, but they will not run as fast as they could have. Your coaching doesn't work the way you think it does. It might work. It just doesn't work as well as it should. So you're not succeeding. 
Or, if you want to look at it this way, you're succeeding at being mediocre. That's all. And, and, and that's going back to that, you know, you've got a team that may win a lot, but they should have been better. Just because your team wins doesn't mean you're a great coach. Just because you have athletes running fast doesn't mean you're a great coach. The question should always be, are they getting close to their potential? And are they getting close to their potential in a healthy way? If the answer is yes on those, then yeah, then you're, you're a great coach. So that's really important to understand what a coach does, all right? They're supportive, they're teachers, they're guides, and they believe. They believe in the athlete. That is one of the prerequisites to coaching. You need to believe in the athlete, even if the athlete doesn't believe in themselves. I mean, that is what coaching is. You're working with someone today, the athlete they are today, but you've been to the future. You know where they can be. You know where they could be. And then you come back to the present and you say, okay, this is what we need to do today to get you closer to where you could be in the future, which means you believe in them. You believe they can be better tomorrow than they are today. And you understand that it's the athlete today that has to do the work to reach tomorrow as a better version of themselves. So there's a little bit of mental gymnastics you have to do. And it also serves as an anchor. Because what happens sometimes is coaches see the potential and then they coach the athlete today as if they are the athlete in a month or three months time. And what they don't realize is yet you saw the potential, but now you're getting them hurt. Because the athlete today is the athlete that has to do the work, which means the athlete you see a month from now, they're not here yet. You can't train this athlete today like the athlete they're going to be in a month or six months. You need to work with the athlete today. That's going to take patience. That's going to take humility. And that's going to take confidence. The nice thing about this is humility is a necessary ingredient for greatness. And patience is a sign of confidence. So if you can coach with those things, and if you can share those things with the athlete and make them realize that these are essential ingredients to your success, you're going to have a better chance of having an athlete understand that the athlete today is the one they need to be if they want to become the athlete they want to be. Patience, humility, confidence, those are the things that work together as a coach and as an athlete. So when you're becoming your own best coach, sometimes it's easier to have those things as a coach than it is as an athlete, and that's okay. It's tough to get an athlete to be patient. It's tough to get an athlete to be confident. And it's tough sometimes to get an athlete to be humble. It is. So be the coach and be those things and lead by example to yourself. You can kind of have that split. Okay, I'm the athlete here, I'm the coach here. Okay, I'm not sure if I can pull this off from the athletic side, but I can pull it off from the coaching side. So work on those traits, have those traits as a coach, lead by example, and I'll tell you what, your athletes will see it, they will follow you. And if you're a great coach, eventually they will just pass you. They will go by you. Okay, the other thing is, which is super important if you're becoming your own best coach, is the idea of being flexible. And you've heard me say this before, training plans should be written in pencil because you can erase them, you can write in different things. And you've heard me say that coaching is not about writing a training plan, it's about making adjustments to a training plan. This is really easy from a coach's perspective. It's another thing that's difficult from an athlete's perspective, which is why, again, I'm telling you, if you can become your own best coach, you're gonna become a better runner. 
because you're going to be able to make decisions and split that athlete personality from the coach personality. And you're going to say, okay, I have to make adjustments. I was just talking about the weather in Portland. It was miserable last week. If you're going out and saying, it doesn't matter, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my 30, 50, 70 minute run done outside. I don't have a treadmill. You're going to get hurt. There wasn't an option to go outside. One, the trails were too dangerous, even if you could run on them, because trees were falling down. So it's not worth it. There's a risk and reward to everything you do. The risk was too high for a very small reward. And the roads were just sheets of ice. So no, you're not going to do that. I'm sorry. We're going to have to adjust. We're going to have to make adjustments. You're going to have to be flexible. Now, there are coaches out there that write training plans in pen. Some of them seemingly write their training plans in stone and think they cannot be flexible. We have to do this. They are insistent instead of just consistent. What you want is a level of consistency, but they mistake consistency for constantly and sometimes even worse, they become insistent. Now here's the thing, insistent means basically to not even allow refusal. So this shows up in a lot of different ways. You have, um, let's say, a speed run that's set for Tuesday and it's Tuesday and you've got a terrible day at work and you've got a terrible night of sleep the night before and guess what? things are going to work out, things are going to be okay, but you know what, this would make sense to do tomorrow or even on Thursday. Today is not the day to do it. Now, if you're insistent, the training plan says Tuesday. We're going to do it Tuesday. Well, you're setting yourself up not for success. I'll just put it politely. Because you're being insistent, not allowing refusable, being inflexible. This is what it says. This is set in stone. No, it's not set in stone. It's absolutely not. The key is to be consistent over a great period of time. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be hiccups. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be changes in the training plan. And some of those changes can be something really small, like just moving a speed workout a day or two, or skipping a speed run entirely. Things come up. Because what you're trying to do is maintain that consistency. And the way to maintain that consistency sometimes is to be a little inconsistent. That's okay. You don't have to have the same runs on the same days every single week. You don't have to have the same schedule. Life comes up. It doesn't get in the way. It just does its thing. That's how it is. You can't get mad at it. But what you can do is you can make adjustments. And that is really smart coaching. So if you are an athlete that thinks, I have to do it on this day because it says to do it on this day, okay, step in as the coach and say the purpose is to get in a good speed run, right? Not a speed run that's going to set us back. Not a speed run that's potentially going to get us hurt or sick. Not a speed run that's going to set us up where now we're going to have to run even easier on our recovery runs or even shorter on our recovery runs to the point where maybe we're not even going to get to do a long run because this speed run that you did after some terrible sleep and massive amount of stress puts you in a hole as opposed to moved you forward. Be the coach. Be the coach. You've got your pencil. Adjust the schedule. Be consistent, not insistent. And all of these things, I feel like, you know, if there's like a a thread that's kind of tying a lot of this together, is like, just don't be a jerk. I mean, so much bad coaching comes from the fact that, you know, you're just being a jerk. Like, why are you being a jerk? And I'll tell you this, whether you realize it or not, on your runs, you are an assistant coach, if not a head coach. 
Some of those times that you're talking to yourself, you're acting as a teammate. Some of the times you're talking as a friend. And some of the times, whether you realize it or not, you've got a coach talking in your head. And you have to ask yourself, like, is this coach a complete jerk or what? Like, why are you telling me that I suck as I'm going up the hill and I'm working really, really hard? Like, how, how does that help me? It doesn't help me. It doesn't motivate me. And there are coaches out there that, that their entire thing is about just being a jerk. And they will convince you or try to convince you that that's the right way of doing it. I'll tell you this. If you think you need someone to yell at you to get something done, then you need to work on how you get things done. It goes back to that idea of the 359 miler. Could run 350. Is 359 impressive? Of course it is. Could the person have run better? They have the potential to. So why is there that delta? Why is there their gap between 359 and 350? We can look at that. So my question would be if you're someone who says, I only respond to people being cruel to me. I only respond to people being mean to me. I only respond as an athlete to people belittling me and criticizing me. Well, maybe we need to think about that a little bit. Because I'll tell you what, you're not going to reach your potential if that's the only way you get things done. That type of fuel is really low-grade fuel. It's not the good stuff. You know, it doesn't burn clean. I'll put it to you that way. It harms the vehicle. It harms the machine. It harms the person. Whether you realize it or not, like I said, yeah, you can run a great time. It doesn't mean it's as great as it could be. So if you're someone who says, yeah, 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 but I like when somebody yells at me, like, okay, well, let's just break that down a little bit. If, if someone telling you, let's do this, and you want to do this, and you say you're motivated to be better, and the only way for you to get it done is to be belittled and humiliated, well, don't you see the problem there? And don't you see that there is an opportunity maybe for a better way, a healthier way, a more powerful way, a way that has way more endurance because that kind of hate coaching burns really hot, really bright, and really quickly. I don't, I don't consider self-hate self-motivation. You know what I mean? So we can, we can spend more time on that. But yeah, I just, it's, it would be laughable if it wasn't so kind of sad that there are people out there saying, hey, I'm, I'm a really cruel coach and this is the way that coaches should be. I just, I think that's total garbage. So anyway, okay, we're, we're getting off that right now. We're going to do a couple more things because I know that we're coming up on time here, but a couple other things I want you to think about, okay? As a coach, when you're talking to the athlete, after you've gotten to know the athlete, after you've worked with the athlete, after you've understood the athlete, after you have a relationship where the athlete feels that they have open communication with you, you feel you have open communication with the athlete. Once you start to get this relationship going, once you start to get some running and some workouts okay, in the books, and you feel like this is an, a really good relationship where you are maybe now promoted, hey now, to your own head coach. What you want to do is continue to come back and have those conversations at the beginning. A lot of people think early on in a relationship, this is where you have the deep conversations. This is where we're going to stay up and we're going to talk to each other. This is where I'm going to learn all about you. And then once you get to a certain point, well, now I know you. But that's not the end of the road. 
you have to understand that those conversations should continue forever. I want to get to know you more today because today is one day removed, is one day down the road from yesterday. You've changed. You've done things. You've had conversations. You've gone for a run. You've done some strength training. You went to work. You went to school. You've seen stuff. You've listened to stuff. You've read stuff. I want to know how you're different. I want to know what's changing in your life. Because I'll tell you what, your motivations are going to change as a runner. Your goals are going to change as a runner. Your worldview is going to change. Your situation, whether it's with school, home life, work, is going to change. I want you to have consistent conversations with yourself as a coach and as an athlete. It's not just at the beginning. It's, it's not just in the flirting stage and the heavy petting stage. I want you to have great conversation, deep conversation, honest conversation with yourself. If you want to become your own best coach, this is a gig that you can have for life, which means you need to get to know this athlete over the course of their life. And over the course of anyone's life, you change. It could be in small, imperceptible ways. It could be in stark, massive ways. But you change. And sometimes you change a little bit over months, and sometimes you change a lot in a moment. Be open to that. Be aware of that. And the best way to do that is to talk and to listen with yourself. All right, my last two things that um, I'm just going to tell you is all of this works if you're honest. And all of this doesn't work if you're dishonest. Having those conversations with yourself is utterly reliant on you being truthful. We lie to ourselves. We don't just lie to other people. We lie to ourselves. And I'll tell you what, we lie to ourselves more than we lie to anyone else. Get rid of that. Be honest. Be honest. It's such a complete waste of time to lie to yourself. So be honest with yourself. And remember, in order to be honest, you need to be consistently honest. But let me just tell you one thing. Sometimes people confuse what it means to be consistently honest with having the same opinion consistently, thinking the same things consistently, believing the same things consistently, wanting the same things consistently. And they think if they change those things, that's a sign of dishonesty. That's not true. Your goals are going to change. Your wants are going to change. Your needs are going to change. Your beliefs are going to change. That's reality. Be honest about that. You will spend too much time. If, if you're not honest about this, you're just dishonest about this. It's a reality. You're going to change. That's not a sign of you being dishonest. Suddenly realizing, you know what? This doesn't matter as much as it used to. I think I need to change my goals. Or this matters more than it used to. And I think I'm willing to commit more now or I want to change my goals. That is pure honesty there. Understanding that there is change. Within you, without you, there is change. So please, if you want to become your own best coach, be honest. And then the last thing I'm going to tell you to do, which is one of the most fun parts about being a coach, is there are so many excuses to celebrate. There's an infinite number of reasons to celebrate. It truly is one of the best parts of my job. And in running, I think more so than any other sport, we've got 
so many different reasons to celebrate every single day. I mean, every time you cross a starting line, reason to celebrate. Could be your longest run, could be your fastest run. Could be a new run you did, that's a reason to celebrate. Could be an opportunity to run with friends for the first time in a long time, that's a reason to celebrate. Could be your chance to actually get a loan, that's a reason to celebrate. Could be the fact that you pushed yourself and you were really proud on on just how hard you push yourself. You That's a reason to celebrate. It could be that you did an easy run, and you weren't a jerk to yourself, and you allowed yourself to do the right thing, and you had a great recovery run, reason to celebrate. It could be the fact that you've never run on February 7th, ever. You looked back at your running log or your app, and you're like, you know what, I've never run on February 7th, and then you just ran on February 7th. That's a reason to celebrate. Could be crossing the finish line of a great race with a personal best. Could just be you finishing the cross... It could just be you crossing the finish line of a race where you struggled, oh my goodness... But you made it to the finish line. Reason to celebrate. Could be the fact that you were running a race, and guess what? You needed to stop. That would be the smart thing to do, the intelligent thing to do. That's what a great coach would tell you to do. That's what your own best coach would tell you to do. And normally in the past, you would gut through it, and you would end up setting yourself back, or even worse, injure yourself. But this time, you stopped. You did the smart thing, the courageous thing. Reason to celebrate celebrating is one of those good fuels. It's one of the reasons why when I'm exhausted and I get exhausted a lot, I still am excited. It's a glorious exhaustion because I get to celebrate so much with all of you. Okay, last thing, tell the athlete thank you. Because without the athlete, there's no need for a coach. We're just hanging out at a starting line, not doing a thing. When the athlete shows up, the coach goes from noun to verb. That is an unbelievably powerful transformation, and it's because of the athlete showing up. So tell the athlete, thank you. You know what that means? It means you telling yourself, thank you. I'll tell you what, when you start a run, by telling yourself thank you for showing up and doing this, it sets the stage for a pretty good experience. So thank you for listening to episode 34. Thank you for listening to Coach Bennett's podcast. Thank you for rating it, reviewing it, sharing it, subscribing to it. I've got a couple goals for subscribers for 2024 on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. So if you have subscribed, thank you for helping with that. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and please share the podcast, okay? Because I've got my goals too. I've got to tell you, I've got my goals too. And just to let you know, a new Coach Bennett's newsletter just came out, okay? The day before this podcast came out. It's called Just a Little Patience, so make sure you read that. Check that out. There'll be a link in the show notes, and uh, yeah, if I got to see you in Arizona, Santa Monica, or Miami, what's up? And if you see me, make sure you wave, make sure you come up and say hello, because I love celebrating everything that all of you are accomplishing. Thank you for coming up. Thank you for letting me be a very, very small part of your running journey, and thank you again for listening. And just one more thing that I want to sneak in here. Best runner ever is starting on February 1st. It is a four-week group coaching program I'm doing with the one, the only, the legendary Coach Tammy Bennett, mindset coach extraordinaire. And I'm super excited about this. Um, I'm going to put a link to the registration and the details in the show notes. But like I said, it's a four-week group program. We're going to make sure that there's a supportive community around this. 
So we have a platform where you're going to be able to go in, introduce yourself to the other best runner ever's, uh, share in some of your victories and your losses as well, and the challenges that we're going to be putting out there. Um, the goal is to kind of find and keep motivation to run during the winter, prepare for the weather so you enjoy your runs more, help you stay healthy, strengthen body and mind, uh, find the fun in running, try new ways of moving your body, feel supported, support yourself, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, help you set some goals, and improve racing and training performance. It's going to be an absolute blast. So again, best runner ever, starting February 1st. It's a four-week group training program. I hope you can be a part of it. Check out the details. Check out the information in the show notes of this, or you can go to showupsociety.com and look for best runner ever there, but I'll have the links in the show notes register i hope to see you during the program and thank you as always for listening i really do appreciate it so take care of yourself take care of each other and i'll meet you on that next starting line thank you so much for listening to coach bennett's podcast today and if you're not already following or subscribe to the podcast and whatever platform you're listening well i really wish you would because it helps a lot also, check out the show notes because you'll find a link to Coach Bennett's newsletter as well as all the social media sites that I'm on. Places like Threads and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and YouTube and even the artist formerly known as Twitter, whatever that dumpster fire is called today. You'll find a link to it because I'm on there. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself. <laughs>